Well, good morning, church. Good morning to all of you that are uh, watching online as well. We appreciate it uh, that we'll see you soon and as uh, soon as you can make it here. And uh, I'd just like to welcome all of our visitors here uh, as well. If you're new, my name is Mark, and I've been the pastor here for 11 years. And I uh, give the message on most Sundays. And I uh, appreciate your attendance and hope to get to meet you after the service. We're in the third or fourth week, probably the third, I guess, of a sermon series that we have um, anchored in Ephesians chapter 5, verse uh, 15. And that passage urges us to be very careful. Ephesians 5, 15. Be very careful how you live, not as unwise but is wise. And so we've taken that word, that phrase, be very careful, and we've uh, kind of transitioned it a little bit to caution. And we've talked about things in the Christian life that we are to be cautious about. And there's no way that I could do a sermon series about being careful. There's no way that I could do a sermon series about being cautious about things in the Christian life if I did not talk about the tendency that Jesus talked about for people to be very pharisaical in their attitudes. To Jesus, Jesus' harshest words were to the Pharisees. His most angry words, he called them names. Snakes and vipers. And the weird thing about that is, friends, they were the most religious people of the day. They were the top brass. They were the people that others looked up they were the people that others went to to uh, get interpretation of God's word. And Jesus came on to the scene and eventually in his ministry had very, very harsh words. In fact, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 16, verse 6, Jesus says, be careful. Be on guard, depending on your translations. Watch out. Beware against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees, which is another group that was similar to them. Um, biblical scholars debate what is the yeast of the Pharisees, the leaven of the Pharisees. Yeast is something that you put in bread that makes it, wi that makes it rise. It permeates all through the loaf. And, but predominantly, it's the teaching of the Pharisees. Be careful about that. It can permeate you. And we would permeate all through you. And we would just really be remiss if we didn't at least spend one Sunday morning talking about be very careful about pharisaical teachings and pharisaical leanings. And one of the reasons we have to be very careful is Jesus' words again in Matthew 5, verse 20. For here he says something very awesome, really. He says, I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses, exceeds whatever translation you have, that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you certainly will not enter the kingdom of heaven unless your righteousness is different than theirs. Now, these were the most righteous people of the day. That's why this is such an awesome thing that Jesus said. He says, unless you are, use a word that we don't use a whole lot, unless you're more religious, unless you ha your righteousness is, is different than, it exceeds that it surpasses the righteousness that the Pharisees had, then you will no means enter the kingdom of heaven. So that verse to me, even though it doesn't say be very careful, 
and it doesn't say watch out and beware and all those other cautions words. That verse has always been a caution for me. Mark, be careful. Be careful that your righteousness is different than that of the Pharisees. Watch out, Mark, that you don't fall in the Pharisaical trap. Watch out. Beware, Mark, that you don't go down the same road of the, of the Pharisees because the Pharisees will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Your righteousness must be different. It must exceed. It must surpass that. So we just start with the overarching thing that we're saying today is to be cautious about the righteousness of the Pharisees. Now, friends, here's the thing about this. Now, we all say that, yeah, Pharisees, yeah, Jesus didn't like them. They're the bad guys. Yeah, we all get that. We've heard that a hundred times. Um, but it's so clever the way that the evil one can come into our lives and create pharisaical tendencies in every single one of us. Pharisaicals tendencies would be some kind of uh, heretical leanings that we have but almost all heresy is mixed with truth heresy is false teaching and you get no one to believe false teaching if it didn't have some measure of truth in it uh, no way that if it's 100, 180 degrees opposite of the truth that you know you'll get anybody to believe it but it's mixed in it dilutes there's a measure of rightness there that somehow the evil one then comes and takes and blows out of proportion be cautious about the righteousness that the pharisees have yours must be different than that and what we've always said about uh, the last two weeks about this caution series is that the the caution sign that comes uh, that's on a roadway is not placed where the danger is so if it says caution road work ahead that's back a half a mile before you get to that so you can make adjustments so you can slow down so you won't hit that road work going 60 miles an hour and it's too late then so in our spiritual lives the holy spirit gives us a con conscience and in in our conscience in our spiritual lives many times we can see a caution sign we can feel a tinge of something come into our spirits and that gives us time to make adjustments we talked about temptation last week temptation is not sin Temptation is a caution sign. Temptation is, a, is, is, is a, a spiritual sign, is a touch from God that is saying from you, when you feel that this is temptation and when you feel that this is wrong, your, your spirit is sensitive enough to sense that caution sign and you can make adjustment. You can make adjustments so you won't go headlong into what that temptation would lead you to. The righteousness of the Pharisees was an external righteousness. It was a righteousness that was just based on doing right things. It was a righteousness that was just based on obedience, and there's a lot of good things about obedience. That's where it gets mixed with truth and can get diluted. The, the, the Pharisees had an external conformity to the law. They, they, they look good. In fact, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 23, verse 25. Jesus says, you know what? You Pharisees, you really look good on the outside. You, you, you clean the outside of the cup. 
but you neglect the most important things. And that's what's inside. Jesus came to be able to change our hearts. Jesus came and he said, blessed are the pure in hearts. Jesus came to give you a heart relationship with him. That yes, it has to do with right doing. Yes, it has to do with right living. Yes, it has to do with obedience. But it's deeper than that. Jesus says, you Pharisees, um, you look really good on the outside. And I just wonder, in our church, in every single church that's meeting today, <laughs> are there people who have satisfied for an outside-of-the-cup type of righteousness? Are there people that, have satis uh, that are satisfied and has settled for a pharisaical type of righteousness that's based on external conformity to some do's and some don'ts? These guys were law keepers. They did right things. In fact, they added to the law to, to make sure they didn't break any of the laws. Let me make something up. Let's say in the Mosaic law in, in, the, in the Old Testament, it said something like, here's a line right here, and you're not supposed to go across that line. I'm obviously making something up. So that, 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 let's say that's what God said. You can't go past this line right here. What the Pharisees did, they came and added to that and said, well, yeah, that's what the law says, but we add something to that that says you can't go past this line back here. If you can't go past this line right here, then you, you for sure won't go past that line right there. You know what? There's some good in this. And there's good at having personal convictions of things that I may do or, or not do that, that, that are different when what the Word of God says, that may even be more strict than what the Word of God says. But for me to be able to put those on other people is pharisaical. They added two. And in the back of this book, in, in, in Revelation 21 or 22, it says if you add two or take away from the writings of this book, the curses that are in this book will be to you. They were so serious and not, not breaking the law that they made other laws so they wouldn't break that one. And made sure you did too. And you weren't one of them unless you did exactly the way that they did. Now, we have convictions. You may have a conviction that I don't have. I may have a conviction that you don't have. All that's wonderful and good. That's fine until I start putting my convictions at the level of Scripture and start holding you to them instead of just that's a personal conviction that I have for my life or for my family's life. Be careful about the righteousness that the Pharisees had. If you feel any tinge of that it's all based on externals, that I'm looking good without being good and being is on the inside. Looking good hopefully flows from a changed heart. Doing hopefully comes from being. And that's tough to tell the difference sometimes. But if you're settling for an outside of the cup, <laughs> uh, the Sabbath commandment was a huge way that this got misinterpreted in Jesus' time because, you know, you're not, fourth commandment, 
Uh, you're, not, you're supposed to rest on the Sabbath and not work on the Sabbath. But, uh, you know, the Pharisees were one of them people that said, um, well, what defines work? Overarching principle was that it's a day of rest. You need to, you need, you need to back out for a day. It's an overarching principle. But the Pharisees come along and, and they try to determine what's work for you and what's not work for you. And so Jesus' disciples were going through a grain field one day and on the Sabbath, not one day, on the Sabbath. And as they were walking through the grain field, they got hungry. And so they, they picked some grain uh, and they ate it. And the Pharisee says, how come you allow your disciples to work like that, picking grain? There was all kinds of little things that they were meticulous about, but missed the compassion. They, they, they took the overarching principles of the law and got down to specifics, and their specificity of the law was so minute, they wanted you to hold on to it as well. Be careful. Be careful. Be careful that you, you, your, your rule-keeping comes from an internal desire to please God. Be sure that your obedience comes from an internal desire to please Him, from a heart that loves Him, not just someone that wants to keep some rules. Rules aren't bad. Obedience is not bad. That's where, that's where the enemy comes in and mixes all this stuff, and, and, and it kind of looks good, and that's what heresy does. It looks good on some parts, but it's not only what you do, it's why you do it. Huh. You know obedience won't get you to heaven? many sermons have you heard on obedience and as good as obedience is as important as it is you have to be born again to get to heaven you have to have something happen on the inside of you that then prompts all the obedience on the outside and if you don't have that first you have pharisaical tendencies and every church of every stripe of every denomination has people in them that mean well, but they probably never, ever submitted themselves to the heart change. They're trying so hard to be good. They have, the fair, they have a pharisaical righteousness. Be careful. Be cautious. Be cautious about false piety. We don't use that word piety very often, do we? Be cautious about the false piety of the Pharisees. Piety, nothing more, is a showing of devotion to God. It's how you show your devotion to God. And it's usually through religious acts or religious observance. They're called pious acts. Be careful about false shows of piety. False shows of devotion to God. What we need is a true Piety and the, and the Pharisees, according to Jesus, were all about these false shows that were external only, outside of the cup only. Luke chapter 18 is where we see six verses here that just point this out very, very plain. To some who were very confident of their own righteousness and looked down on other people, Jesus told this parable. He, 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 was, he made up a story. That's what a parable is. He made up a story to get the attention of those people. 
the people who were very confident of their own righteousness and had no compassion for other people and had no grace for other people. And he says two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a tax collector, the most hated person in society in Jesus' day. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. Uh, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, and even this tax collector over here. I thank you that I'm not like them. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all that I get. But the tax collector, he stood at a distance. Okay? I'm going to start calling all you people on the back row tax collectors, okay? <laughs> the, 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 the tax collector, he stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And then Jesus responds and says, I tell you this man, the tax collector, I tell you this man rather than the other, the Pharisee, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all those who humble themselves will be exalted the Pharisees had a measure of pride about themselves and what they did and the way they did it. False piety is a piety that other people can, can see. Jesus came along and says, hey, you know, when you pray, he said this in Matthew 5 or 6, you know, when you, when you pray, you know, go into your closet. Go into a room by yourself uh, you, and basically, he, he, does he mean go in a closet? No. Does he mean go in a room by yourself? No. It means just don't do it to be, quote, seen by others. For if you do, you'll have your reward. Now, that, does that mean that you're never supposed to pray in front of other people? Of course not. But why do you do that? To be seen by others. Your false piety, your acts of devotion for God should be focused on God and, and God alone. And that right after he, Jesus said that about going in your closet and, and, and pray to only God can hear, then he gives the Lord's Prayer, which starts out focused just totally on God, not focused on other people. This, I'm, the, I'm so glad I'm not like other people, especially this guy over here. We laugh about that and think, what can that be? And none of us would ever say that out loud. Be careful about false. Be careful about false piety. When you pray, Jesus said, don't, don't go on and babble like other people do. For, for they think, and he called them pagans, like the pagans do, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. For they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Friends, um, be careful, be cautious, be alert to your spiritual eyes seeing a caution sign when, when there is ex an external nature about your Christian 
life, an external only. Should there be an external nature? Of course there should. But it's only an external nature. There's nothing going on on the inside, and you're just cleaning the outside of the, of the cup. And, and, and you're praying to be seen by others. You're fasting to be seen by others. You're praying to be heard by others. They think they'll be heard because of their many words, because of their nice words. I, I've told you before, I, w- I was new in ministry, and dear little Miss Thelma at Antioch United Methodist Church Uh, right outside of Springfield, Kentucky. At the end of one of our services, I was a student at the seminary, and right right after one of our services, she goes, you pray a pretty prayer. Now, she meant everything good about that. But praise God that I was sensitive to God's Holy Spirit enough it's be careful, Mark, that you believe, don't believe that. <laughs> be careful, Mark, that you don't believe that your prayers are prettier than anybody else's. What in the world is a pretty prayer? <laughs> be careful, Mark, that somehow you don't think that God hears your prayers because you say pretty words more than he hears anyone else's. Caution. Caution. Be cautious about a pharisaical tendency, about righteousness that Jesus says must exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees. Can I tell you to be cautious about legalism? That's a word that you've heard before maybe don't know a real precise definition the one I'm going to give you I'm not going to even say that it's the precise definition but a legal transaction is is tit for tat a legal transaction is 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 I go to the store and I give them a dollar and they give me a candy bar okay that's a legal transaction some people bring that to their Christian life and that I do this God has to do this when I do this God is in debt to me to do this if only I do the right things, then God will give me and God will. You know what? There is some truth to that because there are right things that we do and we want to have the favor of God in our life, but God has never owes us anything. This is not a legal transaction. All we get from God is grace. We don't deserve it. And a legal transaction is, if I give you a dollar, I deserve that candy bar. That's a legal transaction. And legalists don't understand the grace of God. So in the most famous of all parables that Jesus told in Luke 15, he tells three parables in Luke chapter 15. He tells a parable about a lost coin, lost sheep, and tells a parable of the prodigal son. And before all three of those, he gives these verses of introduction to tell us who he's talking to. Now, the tax collector and sinners were all gathered around hearing Jesus, as often happened. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they muttered, this man, this this man welcomes sinners. And it was to those people that Jesus told. He heard their muttering. It was to those people That Jesus then gives the lost sheep, the lost coin, parable of the prodigal son. 
And you remember the parable of the prodigal son. The son, uh, prodigal means wasteful. The, 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 the younger son got the father's inheritance and went out and wasted it all. And he was broke and he was hungry and he was eating out of, of a pigsty. And he finally came to his senses one day, the Bible says. He came to his senses one day and uh, decided to go home to the father, his father. And his father comes and wraps his arms around him, runs to me, and he wraps his arms around him, throws a big party. My, my, my son who was lost is, is found. That's, that, that's the prodigal. But then I think at the very end, Jesus gets around to what he really was getting around to. When he gives a few verses about the elder son, the older son. And in my opinion, and this is my opinion, gang, I think everything in verse 15, chapter 15, parable of the lost coin, parable of the sheep, parable of the prodigal son leads up to these last verses about the, the, the elder brother. But the elder brother wasn't happy that there was a party being thrown for his brother that had come home. And so his father went to the elder brother and said, hey, come on, man, we're having a big bash for your brother. And he answered the father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. And as I was reading a bit about this this week, somebody talked about the slavish obedience of the Pharisees. I've never heard that, that phrase. The slavish obedience of the Pharisees. And, and the elder brother says, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, your orders, orders. Yeah, you never gave me a young goat so I could go celebrate with my friends. I've been doing all this and you've never given me legalist. I've been doing all this for all these years and you've never given me. I've been doing all this. Why haven't you owe me? You've never done that. Legalist doesn't understand anything about grace. Legalist is just about justice and what, what I've got coming to me. And legalist many times is also very legal about what other people got coming to them. In fact, in, in fact the, the older, the uh, older brother says, this, this son of yours, this son of yours, he's, he's gone off and he's squandered all your property. He's got something coming, and it sure is not a party. It's a legalist. Be careful about tendencies that, that this Christian life is, I do this and God must do this. All we get from God is grace. We don't deserve anything. In fact, what we deserve, what we deserve is penalty for our sins. But by the grace of God, he provided a way for us. Be well, beware of turning this Christian life into a legal transaction. There, to a legal transaction only. All right, let me finish. One last thing. Beware of leaving your first Love. Now, what I've tried to say, overarching thing, is we we're, we're, we have to be cautious about the righteousness of the Pharisees, and that righteousness comes as false piety, comes as legalism, and it comes that they've lost their first love. They've left, they've forsaken their first love. Revelation chapter two, 
Jesus speaks to one of the churches, and when he speaks to churches, he's just speaking to people because the church is nothing more than people. And he says, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and you have found them false. I know that you're working hard. I know that you've done a good things. I know that you're not standing for heresy around you. And the next verse says, You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name, and you've not grown weary. That's a lot of good stuff. But then he comes with his criticism and said, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. You have left your first love, depends on your translation. You're not doing it for the right reason. You're working hard, man. You're not growing weary. You've endured hardships. But you're just gritting your teeth, man. You're not doing it because of a heart relationship. You're not doing it because something has changed on the inside of you. And I wonder, in churches, in Xenia and all over the world, how many people are doing it for the right reason? It's not prompted because God has been so gracious to me. It's not prompted because of the love of God in your life. In fact, Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was in Mark chapter 12, verse 30. And you know what he said. He said to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. Jesus speaks to the Pharisees in John chapter 5. Jesus speaks to the Pharisees and says, you study the scriptures. You study them really diligently. And, and because you think that in the scriptures, in the law-keeping, in the do this, don't do that, you will have eternal life. These very scriptures, they testify about me. These very scriptures, they're focused on me. These very scriptures, they tell you about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. You go to your law keeping. You go to your do this. Don't do that, which is good, which is important. It's just not the whole thing. See how the devil can come in and get this mixed up? Huh. So, why do we, so why do we end every service with communion? It's a rather odd thing for Nazarene church to do. It's a personal conviction that I have. I don't say we're better than any other church. I don't go tell other churches that they want to really be good churches. They need to do this. I just say this is what we do and this is why we do it. Because of all the scriptures testify to Jesus, shouldn't every single one of my messages testify to Jesus? Shouldn't every single one of my messages, no matter what the topic is, testify to who gives us life, not what gives us life? Well, you putting down the Bible, Mark? Of course not. Of course not. I don't think you could have a preacher that tried to anchor what he says in God's Word as much as I do. Was cart for the horse. Our eternal life is not in here. Here testifies to Jesus. 
Here is where we find Jesus. And that's where we find life. Pharisees didn't get that. Pharisees didn't get that. I was, and I'm, I'm finishing with this. I was teaching class this week, and I was down at the district, and I was teaching, preaching two, which is when we actually preach to one another. And so I had assigned um, Dusty Sturk, who's the worship leader at Be Hope, and I had assigned him an Old Testament passage to preach, and it was the first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. And Dusty did, I think, for a guy that hadn't preached a whole lot, Dusty did a commendable job with that. But I thought he missed something. And I made, I made, we talked about this, and I made sure that everybody knew it, and he knew it. Because right before you get the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20, right before the first commandment comes when it says, you shall have another God before me, right before there, you have two verses. And uh, let me see if I can quote them, read them to you so they're absolutely right thing. Here's, here's two verses, verses before you get the great thou shalts and thou shalt nots. I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. It's grace. I'm the God who's done this for you. I'm the God who's acted first. I'm the God who's taken initiative. I'm the God who's, who's taken you out of Egypt and, and made you the people of God. Even the Old Testament was grace before works. Before all of these thou shalts and thou shalt not, God says, hey, I've done something for you. And all of, all of you as the people of God is based on what I've done for you. I've, I've initiated, I've, 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 I've undertaken, I've freed you from Egyptian bondage. Now you want to know how to walk with me and how to be the people of God? Ten Commandments. Old Testament and new. Old Testament and new. It's about a relationship with him. It's about grace. It's not about a legal transaction. So we come to the table today because all the scriptures have pointed to Jesus. And hopefully, my message has pointed to Jesus. It's not, just, it's not just been, go do better. Work harder. Try harder. Grit your teeth more. Pharisees missed that. They had a righteousness, evidently. He says, the righteousness, your, your righteousness must exceed that. So they had a righteousness. They, they had a righteousness that comes through rule keeping, rule keeping, I guess. But Jesus says, ours has to exceed that. And the only biblical way I know to exceed that is that you must be born again. And then all of your do's and don'ts and thou shalts and thou shalt nots flow from a changed person on the inside. That's how you're a new creation. The Pharisees missed it. And Jesus says, Zenia Church, 
Beaver Creek Church, Bellbrook Church, Springfield Church, don't miss it. Your righteousness must exceed that. And that righteousness comes by faith in Jesus Christ. And we remember every Sunday what he's done for us. Our servers are coming to the table. And we're once again reminded, are we doing the right thing for the right reason? Am I just gritting my teeth and trying to be holy? Or am I allowing Jesus to do something for me that only he can do? Righteousness that comes by faith, not by rule keeping. Righteousness that comes by faith, Romans chapter 3 and 4. Father, Father, I'm, I'm not trying to call anybody in here Pharisees. I just sometimes see pharisaical tendency in me. And I just figure I'm just kind of average Joe Christian. And if I see it in me, then probably at times other people can see it in themselves. Father, may we be so sensitive to the leading of your Holy Spirit that when those pharisaical tendencies come, we'll see a caution sign. And we'll make adjustments and realize I have no righteousness of my own. My righteousness comes by faith and trust in the one you sent, the Lord Jesus Christ. May we remember that again this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen.